stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. And welcome to Weekend Live. It's 5.06 on this Saturday evening, and thanks for joining us. My name is Sam Shane, and the phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. We're here for a couple of hours. We'll be on until 7 o'clock tonight. Feel free to give us a call and join in on the discussion. We have a lot to cover here. We're going to take a look back at some of the very big events that took place during this week. Also on this day, it's been a big day, a lot of events taking place. Downtown Sacramento, an exciting finish to the Tour of California today, uh, just by inches in a great, great race. Uh, Justify won the Preakness. This horse is on its way, some believe, to be a triple crown winner. Won the Preakness, also won the Kentucky Derby, of course. Now it's on to Belmont, so we'll see how Justify does in the efforts to win the Triple Crown. Uh, we're going to take, in just a moment, a look at the latest from the Texas school shooting, some new developments today on that front. Also, maybe you got up this morning and watched it at 4 o'clock our time, the royal wedding. Prince Harry and Meghan are now married. And it was a pastor from America who stole the show during the ceremony. And we're going to hear from him. Parts of his sermon were very interesting and moving so we'll hear a little bit about that also there are some new reports surfacing that the fbi planted a secret informant inside the trump presidential campaign and was snooping around during the presidential campaign before the russia investigation was even launched raising all kinds of questions now so we'll get into that detail in a little bit as well but let's talk a little bit about what's taking place in santa fe texas where the school shooting took place yesterday. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Today's developments, authorities today, beginning this morning, allowed small groups of students back inside that Texas high school. They were allowed to gather their belongings. This is a day after they were forced to flee for their lives when a gunman carried out a deadly shooting rampage. The students were ushered in small groups. These groups were no larger than 10 as they moved through the school this afternoon. Demetrius Pagurchis, a 17-year-old, opened fire, killing 10, injuring 13 at that Santa Fe High School. He used his father's 38 caliber revolver and his father's shotgun. We have no news on the parents. Where are the parents? Where were the parents? And what did they know? Uh, The home life has been kept secret thus far from us. This is about 30 miles south of Houston. And last night, the entire community gathered together. They are absolutely stunned. And they held a vigil at that high school last night. We're going to hear a couple of audio clips right now from the vigil. This is a man who identified himself as a pastor and a father. The Bible's clear in Romans chapter 12 that we are to weep with those who weep. Before being a minister, I'm a parent of a 12-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. My heart is ripped out. It's not just parents in Santa Fe that are going through this. I mean, it's especially hitting them hard. Of course it is. It's in their community. It's their high school. They know these kids. But every parent in America who heard that story yesterday stopped again and wondered, and wondered about the safety of their very own children. 
Police officers who arrived on the scene say that they exchanged a lot of firepower with the suspect before he finally surrendered. They say that this gunman left behind what appeared to be crudely made explosives at the crime scene, none of which detonated. And yesterday, there were some reports that he may have had an accomplice. Nothing has been expanded on that front. We have heard no charges filed against an accomplice. If someone helped him make these crude bombs, which did not blow up, we don't know. But the material in these bombs included a pressure cooker with an alarm clock and nails inside with carbon dioxide canisters. But the canisters had no detonation device, and the pressure cooker had no explosive material. So there really was no way for them to blow up, according to authorities on the scene. They say they do not have a motive still. However, this young 17-year-old has confessed to the shooting, and he admitted to officers, they say, that he was targeting students that he did not like. And when he came across students that he did like, he would spare them their lives because he said he wanted his story to be told. He was a young man who played on the football team and was apparently a dancer at his church. He apparently quit the football team recently and was rather quiet, was known to play video games, and was described all of a sudden by people who were there yesterday as a cold-blooded killer yelling surprise before he opened fire. And the people who knew him in school say that this differed a whole lot from the portrait that was painted by fellow students who knew him. They described him as quiet and an athlete. So somewhere, some switch was flipped. And at what point in time, that's not clear. We'll talk a little bit about what he posted on his social media in a moment. But our second audio clip today, this is from the governor of Texas. This is Greg Abbott, who was also at the vigil last night. The way this community is coming together, as we see here tonight, is the way that Texans come together in the aftermath of a tragedy. We have people lined up all across the back of this road, all around here. The entire community, it seemed, was out there. I saw pictures of this vigil, and the school was surrounded. And it was extraordinarily painful to watch. There, were, there was just a, an, an enormous amount of sadness. As you can imagine, and grieving and coping and learning how to move forward. I, I read a quote today. Somebody said, we will laugh again. I don't know when, but we will. And you get the sense that it's going to take a long, long time before that happens. This young man had left some clues on his social media pages. He had posted pictures of firearms. He had posted a T-shirt that read, Born to Kill. And the question becomes, how long was that out there, and who saw that, and who saw it, and did they report anything to anyone? And then if they reported it, did anyone do anything? Because what happened in Florida is now well documented. There were many, many signs. The governor of Texas has said subsequently that the kinds of signs that we saw in Florida were not evident here. There's more investigation to be done here as to just what was out there on social media and for how long. And what about these parents? 
Where were they? Where are they? How responsible are they? After all, the weapons belong to the boy's father. Time now is uh, 514. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Did you get up this morning and watch the big wedding? Holy smokes, was that an affair? Big stars, George Clooney. Beckham was there. I mean, you name it. It was a big, big deal. And and the, the crowds were unbelievable. But there was a guy who stole the show who's a pastor from America. And we have a couple of pretty cool audio clips to play for you on the other side. And this is a sermon I assure you they have never heard before at a royal wedding. It was really quite incredible. It's uh, coming up at 5.15. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live here on KFBK. Thanks for joining us. The phone number is 916-921-1530, We're back in a moment. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. All righty, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are now married. Did you get up and watch? What did you think of it? I know there were a lot of people who said, ah, I don't want to watch, it's a waste of time, and it's not relevant anymore, and outdated. But boy, can they put on a show. That it was really remarkable. Uh, and if you didn't see the actual ceremony itself inside, we're going to bring you a portion of it because the social media world is a buzz about a pastor from America. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought about the whole wedding and what you think about what this guy had to say. This is the most reverend Michael Bruce Curry. And his name is becoming very well known all around the globe for the sermon that he delivered. He is the 27th presiding bishop and primate of the Episcopal Church. He is a top official in the Episcopal Church. And he stole the show there with his sermon. And it was on the redemptive power of love. Oh, there's power. Power in love. Not just in its romantic forms, but any form, any shape of love. There's a certain sense in, in which when you are loved and you know it, when someone cares for you and you know it, when you love and you show it, it actually feels right. There's something right about it. And there's a reason for it. The reason has to do with the source. We were made by a power of love. And our lives were meant and are meant to be lived in that love. That's why we, were, we are here. The whole place was fixated on him. Meghan Markle was smiling throughout his sermon. Harry was listening very intently. The people outside who had lined the streets, were reacting. And here's one reaction. This is from Karen Long. She's from Houston, Texas. 
she went to Windsor with her sister and her friend. Quote, it was a moment for African Americans. It was like we were at the church. It was the word that love conquers all. It was a perfect blend between her culture and the royal culture. And as African American woman, she said, it was made in heaven. There was also reaction from uh, some writers who write about culture and religion. This is a, a quote here. Quoting Dr. Martin Luther King from the altar of a British royal wedding, this sermon by Reverend Michael Bruce Curry is very American, very boisterous, very passionate. Love it. That was from the New York Times reporter Katie Rossman, and she wrote that on Twitter. He captivated so many people with what he said because it was so unusual for that setting. And there were people who were smiling, and there were people who were actually chuckling, and there were people who were watching with <laughs> their mouths agape. They really weren't quite sure what to make of it. And we're going to listen to just a little bit more of what he had to say. This is more from the Reverend Michael Bruce Curry on how love brings all of us together. Because when love is the way... We actually treat each other, well, like we are actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. It was poignant in so many ways, not just because the stage was so unusual and we probably weren't expecting something like this, but the timing of it also. It seems as though it was so appropriate at a time when many parts of the globe are divided, not just in America. Many neighborhoods are divided. And here's a man who had the world stage and he talked about the one thing that can bring us all together. And it was really a, it was really quite unique. This is from Karen Ataya. She is the global opinions editor from the Washington Post. She called the whole wedding, quote, an overt celebration of black American culture. She said, I wrote back in the fall that I didn't think that Meghan Markle was going to be very outspoken about race once she married into the royal family. Maybe she will prove me wrong, she tweeted. And maybe she will. But I just thought that that was kind of a poignant moment of all the pomp and circumstance today when we heard such a powerful message about love and bringing everybody together. Phone number here is 916-921-1530, And so as controversy got pushed aside there, uh, it's still alive and well in the United States of America's government. Uh, there are new reports that are surfacing today that the FBI had secretly planted someone inside the Trump campaign in July. And this was prior to when the Russia investigation was launched. And it is becoming um, a very significant story because it ties into what took place in this country with regards to another arm of the United States government, the Justice Department, and they have been subpoenaed by Congress to turn over documents so that the members of the Intel Committee 
can find out what exactly they have in the Justice Department, what they have been looking for in terms of a variety of investigations, and the Justice Department has been dragging its feet. So there's been widespread criticism, especially from the Trump administration and from the all of the Trump supporters out there, that the deep state is withholding information from the rest of the country. And today, there was another tweet from the president. I should say this was yesterday. But today, there were new reports, the Washington Post and the New York Times, indicating that a secret FBI source met with three different Trump advisors during the campaign and was a secret informant to the FBI and met with a guy named Carter Page. Carter Page is a former foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. He had numerous encounters with the FBI in 2016. So in mid-2016, a retired American professor approached this advisor, Carter Page, at a presidential campaign symposium about the White House, which was being held at a British university. And that's how these two met, and they developed a relationship, and it continued on. Well, what's happened is is that the Washington Post and the New York Times refused, even though they knew his name, refused to release his name because they said that it would jeopardize him, that his safety would be jeopardized. Well, there are publications out there that have released the name, and now the name is coming out, and we're going to get to the name of this guy and who he is and how he was tied to the FBI. And the revelations of all sorts of snooping that were going on prior to the Russian investigation by the FBI and what the CIA may have been doing and what the Justice Department is withholding and how Congress is trying to get that information. We're going to hear from a leading congressman who has been working very hard to get the Justice Department to hand over the documents so that they can begin their investigation into what the Justice Department knew, who they were investigating, and this goes beyond Donald Trump. It also has to do with investigations into Hillary Clinton and the email scandal. So much more is beginning to surface with regards to the CIA, FBI, and Justice Department and the investigations that they had launched and was there and how much secret snooping was really going on within the Trump administration. So we'll take a look at that. And we'll cover some other news of the day. Time now is 916-921-1530, Give us a call. Chime in. Uh, it's coming up on 530. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. We're brought, we'll be right back. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. Time now is coming up on 536 on a Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us. This is Weekend Live, and my name is Sam Shane. We are here until 7 o'clock on Saturday evenings from 5 to 7. We go over the day's big events, the news of the day. We take a look at what took place the week prior and how all of those events unfolded, and we bring you a few nuggets that maybe you hadn't heard during the week, some of the things that maybe slipped through the cracks. Maybe this. A stylist at a Brooklyn barbershop threw a client through the front window because the client complained about the haircut. Didn't like it. (laughs) The 33-year-old victim slash client was at Levels Barbershop. This is in Crown Heights on Thursday afternoon. And police say 
He just wasn't going to pay for the haircut that he didn't like. And so the barber was enraged, shoved him through the storefront window, left a huge gaping hole in the glass. The victim's face was cut up, the clothing covered in blood. He was taken to the hospital. The stylist ran off. Now here's the one part I really like. The other barbers there said they didn't know the stylist's name or how to reach him. (laughs) Police are investigating. I have no idea who that guy is. That guy is, he's been cutting hair next to me for, all oh, the better part of seven years, and we haven't exchanged names yet. <laughs> okay, the phone number here is uh, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Give us a phone call if you want to join in on the discussion. This is an interesting development with what's taking place in terms of we are learning more and more about investigations into Donald Trump and Donald Trump's campaign that began much earlier than we were initially told and were probably more widespread in more agencies than we probably were told. And the New York Times and the Washington Post is among uh, two of the publications now. Uh, They are revealing a story that the FBI had essentially planted someone to serve as a snoop to look into the Donald Trump campaign, this was before he was president, in mid-July. So they're offering some details on the identity of the informant, but both of these papers, this is very interesting, both the New York Times and Washington Post will not name him. They're citing concerns for his safety and for warnings from the U.S. intelligence officials. Well, how could he possibly be a danger, in danger? However, the details do match a person described by another media outlet called the Daily Caller, and they've identified him as Stefan Halper, a Cambridge professor, longtime Washington, D.C. fixture. These new accounts also indicate that the FBI lied about when they first began surveilling the Trump campaign. Now, follow me on the timeline here, okay? FBI officials have said that they began investigating the Trump administration on July 31st of 2016, okay? However, the problem with that account is that the FBI informant had approached Carter Page at a Cambridge symposium on the U.S. presidential election in London on July 11th of 2016. They say they started the investigation on July 31st, but... This guy, Halper, was already getting involved in mid-July, two weeks earlier than when they said. Now, some have also speculated that former CIA Director John Brennan had launched a spy operation on the Trump campaign as early as April of 2016. So now we're getting new reports of the FBI involved in an investigation in the Trump campaign, possibly the CIA involved in an investigation in the Trump campaign, and then there's news on the Justice Department. And who were they investigating and how much? And I want to get into that in just a second, but let's take a phone call from Robbie. He's from uh, Sacramento because you want to dial this back and talk about the barber, I understand. <laughs> yes, sir. This is Robbie Gill from Sacramento. And I was trying to share, you know, give my comments on the barber. I think so. The barber is right and that idiot who went to don't want to pay. We have those kind in California a lot. Yeah, but you know, you, I'm a is business it, owner. Well, Robbie, is it okay to throw a guy through a window? I think so, if he deserved to be. 
Really? Yes, sir. Because the guy is an idiot. Are you a, are you, you a, know, are, are, are you a bo- I as a businessman yeah. I as a businessman and uh, kind of thing been over here for the last 35 years in the United States you know yeah, what, I've been noticing that you know there are idiotic people they misuse the system yeah what you do you, what do you and do according to being as a businessman and I deal with these people every day in my business Robbie you know? what do you do I am a business owner. I run a gas station. I'm a mechanical engineer by profession. I worked at sixty-five dollars an hour in 1989. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know, Robbie, I just think a lot of people have a problem with a guy throwing a guy through a window. I just because think he deserved to be that. Well, you but... being respectful. If there's somebody with politeness and respect, says, "Sir, I didn't like it." You know, he would be nice and calm. Then the guy would have yeah. said, "Okay, hey, you don't like it? No problem." No, I, I, I I'm not, I'm know. not disagreeing with that, Robbie. I'd like to see people be respectful and and act, you know, properly and and be polite. Um, but I'm not sure that I'd want to get. I, I'm not sure I want you angry at me. No, 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 no. I'm not angry. I'm angry with the system that no, no, education I, providing. No, I know, but you know, I, the I, education I, we are providing in the society right now. I don't want anybody who thinks it's okay to throw a guy through a window to be angry at me. Yeah, but you know this is this is what I see every day in the business line, okay. and I see problems and uh, those kind of people. I I deal with every day those kind of things, you know. Yeah. Okay. I I got you, Robbie. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the phone call. Okay. Just you know, every once in a while, you things happen on live radio where you just think, okay, I need to absorb for just one second. I got to just let that settle in and percolate for a little bit, and then we'll we'll. we'll We'll move on. Back to um, the obvious serious topic of the investigations that have been taking place into the Trump administration. Uh, Revelations that the FBI had apparently planted someone to snoop around the Trump administration in mid-July, two weeks prior to when the Russia investigation was launched. The CIA, there's speculation that John Brennan over at the CIA may have launched an investigation operation into the Trump campaign as early as April of 2016. And then there's the news out of the Justice Department, and and that's where we're going to head now. The Justice Department has been conducting a series of investigations, and not just into Trump. Uh, They also investigated the Hillary Clinton email scandal. And much of what they investigated, what what they found, and the determinations that they made to not go forward or go forward have been kept in secret documents. At least the, the documents have been held within their department. And members of Congress have been trying for the better part of a year, the Intel Committee, to get their hands on these documents because they are asking members of the Justice Department, what did you find out? Why did you not go forward and prosecute or further investigate the Clinton email scandal. Why did you go forward and continue their investigation into the Trump Russia allegations? They just wanted to, they want to find out what's going on in the Justice Department and why they're doing what they're doing. Well, the Justice Department has been dragging their feet. They've been reluctant to hand over any of these documents. So, Republican Congressman Mark Meadows, he by the way is the chairman of the uh, Freedom Caucus. He says that the Justice Department has simply been dragging their feet and handing over these documents to Congress on their investigations into Trump, into the Hillary Clinton email scandal, into Russia's influence on the election. And quite frankly, he says, it's time for them to do to hand them over. Every time is, oh, these are national security secrets, and we need to make sure that we protect our assets. 
And you know what? They're right. That's exactly the reason why we have an intel committee. That's the whole reason why we set that committee up is so that they could see those types of documents, not all of Congress. We have uh, uh, actually given that authority to some of our colleagues. And so there is no plausible reason for DOJ to not share it with the Intel Committee. And they continue to refuse to turn him over, even though there's been a subpoena. So members of Congress have been asking for these documents from this agency in the executive branch, and they refuse to turn him over. And they're dragging their feet. And it's starting to become a bit of a constitutional issue now. And it's starting to get serious because some of the allegations that are coming up now are raising eyebrows in legal circles. Trump and his allies have escalated their claims that the FBI source improperly spied on their campaign. This is a tweet from Friday from President Trump. Quote, reports are there was indeed at least one FBI representative implanted for political purposes into my campaign for president. It took place very early on and long before the phony Russia hoax became a hot fake news story. Those were his words. If true, Trump wrote, all-time biggest political scandal. So we have more on this on the other side. It's a 546 on these revelations, and it appears now this uh, Russia, Russia, Russia investigation and the Stormy Daniels investigation may be taking a new turn and maybe taking a a hard 90-degree turn. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane, and we're going to be right back. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. It's 5.51 on a Saturday evening. Beautiful, beautiful evening here in Northern California. Former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown, who used to be the Speaker of the Assembly for, I don't know, I think it was maybe 17 years. I mean, it was a long time that he was running the show at the Capitol. He says the Democrats need to stop bashing President Trump. That's Willie Brown. We're going to get into why he thinks that's a good idea. Just a little bit later on in this show. We're live here on Weekend Live until 7 o'clock. My name is Sam Shane. We're here Saturday evenings from 5 to 7. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. And we are in the KFBK studios, and we got the phone lines ready to go if you want to give us a call. We've been talking about the various investigations into the Trump administration from the CIA to the FBI to the Justice Department. Trump also tweeted out, he attacked recently fired, uh, also attacked recently fired Deputy Ch- FBI Chief Andrew McCabe and questioned why McCabe, who was at the FBI at the time of the investigations into Trump, is not being investigated for the $700,000 that Democrats in Virginia gave to his wife in Virginia when she was running for office. So the allegations are not going away, they keep surfacing. More now from Congressman Mark Meadows. He is a Republican congressman, and the Intel Committee of the United States Congress has been asking and demanding that the U.S. Justice Department 
turn over documents from investigations that they had launched into not only Donald Trump when he was a candidate, but Hillary Clinton and the email scandal when she was Secretary of State, and the other investigations that have been pending in the Russia allegations. And so far, they've been reluctant to turn these documents over. And it's been months and months and months. And there have been no charges filed. And Meadows and his colleagues are saying to the Justice Department, look, give us the documents. You have to answer to us. We hold the purse strings. Under the Constitution of the United States, if we ask an agency like the Justice Department to share documents, then you're obligated to do so. Here's Meadows now with more on why the Justice Department has been dragging their feet. Critics say they've been obstructing justice, which is a crime, by not handing over the documents. But I can tell you, they run and hide every time. They talk about, well, they don't want this divulged. Really, most of the reasons they've not been giving us documents is because they don't want to be embarrassed. Meadows thinks that there's something in these documents that are going to be very revealing about who in the Justice Department was running this investigation and that they clearly had political motivations. That's the concern, that this was not done from a legal standpoint, that it was done for political purposes, and that if these documents are released and members of the Intel Committee do see them and then they open up hearings, it'll shine a light on what was really going on. He didn't stop there either. Congressman Meadows says that he thinks we got to start following the money here. How much is all of this costing us? And he says it's time to start auditing Mueller and his team because he believes the cost of this investigation has been skyrocketing. There is some $3 million plus dollars that have been spent uh, or, or actually potentially not spent in, in, in a correct manner. I'm not making any conclusion to that because I always want to back up what I have, but we believe that we need to look at that a little bit closer as well. $3 million, I bet that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you're talking about uh, dozens and scores of lawyers it's, that are involved in these investigations and are subpoenaing people and writing up investigations and reports. And who knows when, when it'll end, but um, you, you do get the sense that Americans are fatigued that the polling shows they're not that concerned about these investigations. They're much more concerned about how they're paying the bills and the economy. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live. We're live at the KFBK studios, and I'm Sam Shane. All right, let's get you caught up on Willie Brown. No matter what you think of this guy's politics, he is easily one of the smartest political strategists that I have ever personally covered as a reporter. I can assure you of that. Former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown wrote an op-ed, and he calling on his, he's calling on his fellow, uh, his fellow Democrats to stop bashing President Trump. He's a longtime fixture, of course, in California politics, and he's said his party may risk having problems in the midterms if they don't let up on the anti-Trump rhetoric. Quote from Brown, It's not going to be easy, he wrote. It might even mean checking into a 12-step program. <laughs> he does have a sense of humor. Brown is now 84 years old, and he noticed, he noticed he noted that his party is 
right to take issue with Trump's policies and his personality, but that Democrats must understand that there's a significant amount of Americans who are pleased with what President Trump has been doing. They're making money, they feel safe, and they agree with the president's protectionist trade policies, even his immigration stance, said Brown. He did serve as the state assemblyman for three decades, and from 1996 to 2004, he was mayor of San Francisco. Brown's right. Now, maybe not in all circles in California are you going to find that kind of support for President Trump. But it is out there in America, and he's talking about Democrats nationwide, not just California. So, we are up against a break, but when we come back, President Trump used the word animals to describe gang members, and that set off a firestorm in Washington, D.C. I'm Sam Shane. This is Weekend Live. 916-921-1530 is the number. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. It's 6.06 on a Saturday evening. And I'm Sam Shane, and this is Weekend Live. Thanks for joining us. We are here every Saturday night from 5 to 7, live in the KFBK studios, where the phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Busy day in Sacramento, downtown Sacramento, packed. You had the tour of California bike race wrapping up right by the Capitol in what was a photo finish. There was a graduation ceremony at the stadium at the Golden One. And there was a big volleyball tournament at the convention center. So they were worried about traffic in downtown Sacramento, and it turned out everything went just fine. There were no real big problems. And so that was great. And it's a beautiful night on this Saturday. So we have another hour. We are here again till 7 o'clock tonight, and you can uh, join us on the phone if you want to talk about any of the topics that we have coming up. We have some really interesting developments from this past week that we've been reflecting upon and pushing forward on. Uh, don't know if you heard this, but we did mention Willie Brown just a moment ago, and I want to bring this back up because he made also made news on another front. He said this past week, Democrats should seriously consider nominating California Governor Jerry Brown in 2020 to president to challenge President Trump. So you've got a couple of people in California in the Democratic Party that are likely going to run or are expected to run. L.A. Mayor. Eric Garcetti, he's been making the rounds in Iowa and so on, and he's been making noise that he may announce, and it wouldn't be a surprise if he does. Senator Kamala Harris, of course, a Democrat, she is widely expected to run. And uh, later on, by the way, before we leave here today at 7 o'clock, we're going to play some audio clips of an exchange between her and the Secretary of Homeland Security over immigration and Homeland Security's policy of arresting people who cross the border illegally, even if it's an entire family. And it got very heated. So we're going to get to that here in the next hour. Here's what uh, Willie Brown said in an interview about Jerry Brown. Quote, don't forget Jerry Brown. No matter what age you might think Jerry Brown really is, he's never been through the process of growing old by virtue of hard work. Jerry Brown is still an entity that the Democratic Party should be looking at, period. What do you think? Would you vote for Jerry Brown for president? He ran for president many, many years ago. 
916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. It's uh, 609 here on a Saturday evening on KFBK. So this week, President Trump invited some lawmakers into the White House, and some of them were from right here, the Golden State of California, to discuss the problems that illegal immigration and illegal immigrants are causing them and the challenges that they face as law enforcement officers. That was the whole purpose of the meeting. And cameras were in the room, and there was an exchange between the president and some of these law enforcement people. And the discussion turned to MS-13. Now, if you're not familiar with MS-13, they're a gang. These are gang members. Most of them are illegal immigrants, and they're extremely violent. They do heinous things. And we're going to get into that in a second. But during this exchange, President Trump called these these violent gang members animals. And when you hear some of the things that they do, you'll understand why he used that term. So first of all, before we get into the reaction where people went just crazy that he used the word animals, let's play the exchange between the president and the lawmakers at the White House. We have people coming into the country or trying to come in. We're stopping a lot of them. But we're taking people out of the country. You wouldn't believe how bad these people are. These aren't people. These are animals. And we're taking them out of the country at a level and at a rate that's never happened before. And because of the weak laws, they come in fast. We get them. We release them. We get them again. We bring them out. It's crazy. Okay, so he used the word animals, and the White House press corps went nuts. Members of the media jumped on that, quick to say President Trump called immigrants animals. That's not what he said. He was talking about M13 gang members. MS13 gang members, I apologize. So... Sarah Sanders gets the question. She doubles down. She said the president calling the MS-13 gang members animals does not go far enough. Okay? So we're about to hear first a question from a member of the White House press corps, and then you'll hear the answer from Sanders. Let's roll that up. What did the president mean when he said some immigrants are not people, they're animals? Uh, The president was very clearly referring to MS-13 gang members who enter the country illegally and whose deportations are hamstrung by our laws. Uh, This is one of the most vicious and deadly gangs that operates by the motto of rape, control, and kill. If the media and liberals want to defend MS-13, they're more than welcome to. Uh, Frankly, I don't think the term that the president used was strong enough. MS-13 has done heinous acts. It took an animal to stab a man a hundred times and decapitate him and rip his heart out. It took an animal to beat a woman they were sex trafficking with a bat 28 times, indenting part of her body. And it took an animal to kidnap, drug, and rape a 14-year-old Houston girl. Frankly, I think that the term animal doesn't go far enough, and I think that the president should continue to use his platform and everything he can do under the law to stop these types of horrible, horrible, disgusting people. This is a classic example of reporters taking something completely out of context 
That is not what the president meant. He was not referring to immigrants. He was referring to these vicious gang members. And everybody in the room knew it. It was clear to everybody who was in that room. And it gets turned on its ear. That's just that's just irresponsible. Robert from Elk Grove joins us right now to have a discussion about Willie Brown. Hi, Robert. How are you? Oh, fine. How are you? I'm doing quite well. What are your thoughts about Willie Brown and what he's been saying? Well, I would agree with him that the the press probably should stop uh, trying to pick on Donald Trump, especially if you're not going to be civil about it. Uh, you know, nothing's going to get done by simply calling people names and acting like a bunch of high school kids. I would like to see the elevation with regards to the way people speak to each other in in a professional manner. If you want to work with somebody or not work with somebody, you still have to be professional and at least, you know, show the rest of the country, if not the world, that even if we disagree with each other, that we can get along and work together. Simply calling somebody a name, be it the president or anybody else, is never really going to get anything done. Well, now just keep in mind too here, Robert, that Willie Brown is not saying this for humanitarian purposes. This is not a, his own political agenda. Absolutely. Look, this is not a kumbaya moment for him. He's no, doing no. this as a political strategist because he sure. understands that, and I know that this might be, very difficult for people in California to to understand. But there are people in this country that actually support President Trump. They like what's happened to the country. They like lower taxes. They like lower unemployment. Yeah. And if you come out and you criticize that and you criticize the policy of the president that has led to this, that can actually do you more harm than good politically. Exactly. Yeah. And I certainly I certainly support all I support President Trump. I've supported uh, a number of things that he's done. But at the same time, like, you know, if somebody disagrees with him on whatever agenda, uh, still be professional, uh, make your case if you have a case. Uh, at the same time, you're right. Uh, he's, uh, you know, Mr. Brown is obviously has his own political agenda, but there's no reason for people to go back and forth calling each other names. Um, you know, if you want, if you have your agenda, that's fine. Uh, try and be civil about it and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, it seems that civil discourse has left the room in a lot of corners. It really does. It's sad. Yeah, it's very sad because, like I said, I mean, you want to, even if you disagree with someone, you want to at least be respectful if you can. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, try and get something done. Once again, we're never all going to agree with each other. Um, and even though I do support President Trump, I'm not going to agree with him on everything that he's ever going to do or say. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to run around like a third grader in, you know, in the playground calling in names or anybody else. No, and then you, and then you look like a third grader in, in the playground. You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, then, and then here here's the other thing, Robert. Nobody takes you seriously. They're not going to listen yeah. to you. It, no. It, it, especially that middle-of-the-road voter, that moderate voter, who might flip, who might, go, yeah. who might vote Democrat one year and Republican the next. Who yeah. knows? And, that's, right. and that's, that's the mistake that the Democrats made during the presidential election by calling President Trump names and by thinking that they were going to automatically win, mm. they made a huge mistake by upsetting people who, in a lot of blue states, no, I, yeah, ended up voting I, red. I agree with you, and I think Brown was right on track. They've, they've got to think bigger and talk bigger. They have to give mm. people a reason to feel good about this country. Yeah. Hey, if listen, anything, Robert, yeah, I, I appreciate, anything, I, I appreciate okay. the call, but we're heading up against a break, but I appreciate your call. Thanks very much for calling in on uh, Willie Brown. It is uh, 616 here at KFBK. 
Uh, we're going to play an exchange between Senator Kamala Harris and the Secretary of Homeland Security, and it was quite heated this past week. It had to do with illegal immigration, and we got that on the other side. I'm Sam Shane. The phone number here is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio, KFBK. Time now is coming up on 623 on a Saturday evening. This is Weekend Live on KFBK. My name is Sam Shane. You can find us here every Saturday night live from 5 to 7 o'clock. And we take a look back at some of the things that made news in the week, and we look forward to what's coming up. And we try to touch upon some of the things that maybe you missed that slipped through the cracks. And we hit the other big items. By the way, uh, this week, President Trump announced that he is endorsing John Cox for governor of California. So John Cox picking up the endorsement of President Trump in the race for governor in California. I don't know where the poll numbers are now. I do know that Cox saw a pretty good bump in the polls early on. This was maybe about a month to two months ago. He went from like 7% to 14%, which was a nice bump for him. I'm sure now as we get closer uh, to the election, we're going to see more and more polls with more frequency, obviously. Uh, But that was in the news today, Uh, or or this week, I should say. Also this week, there was an interesting exchange on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and uh, this was in Congress, and it was between uh, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, the Democrat, of course, from California, who is, is expected to run for president. Uh, that would It would be a surprise if she doesn't. I think that's the way most people are now thinking. And uh, Kirsten Nielsen, who is the Secretary of Homeland Security, she is the secretary, the top person at Homeland Security, and they were having a discussion about illegal immigration and illegals coming over the border, and what Homeland Security does about that. And Homeland Security's policy is very clear. If you come across the border illegally and we catch you, we're going to detain you. And so Senator Harris, with her questioning, was focusing in, what does this mean for a family? Do you break up families? So we have two audio clips from their exchange, and this is the first one. Have you been directed to separate parents from children as a method of deterrence of undocumented immigration? I have not been directed to do that for purposes of deterrence, no. What, what purpose has, have you been given for, for separating parents from their children? So my decision has been that anyone who breaks the law will be prosecuted. If you're a parent or you're a single person or you happen to have a family, if you cross between the ports of entry, we will refer you for prosecution. You've broken U.S. law. 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. That's the phone number for our studio here at Weekend Live. The Secretary of Homeland Security making it very clear. If you break the law, then if we catch you, we're going to punish you. That's what we do in America. That's what law enforcement is supposed to do in America. That's the initiative that they've been given, to go out and protect America's borders and keep the homeland safe, thus homeland security. But Senator Harris, in her questioning, clearly was trying to pigeonhole not only the Secretary of Homeland Security, but members of her agency as these 
big evil people, this big evil agency, they're out there not enforcing the law. They're out there breaking up families. And how could they possibly be breaking up families? So here is the second audio clip from that exchange. So your agency will be separating children from their parents. And no, I would what we'll be doing is prosecuting parents who have broken the law, just as we do every day in the United States of America. I, I can appreciate that. But if that parent has a four-year-old child, what do you plan on doing with that child? The child under law goes to HHS for care and custody. They will be separated from their parents. Just so like my we do question, in the United States so every day. Yes. Senator, they will be separated from their parents. Now, does that make the Homeland Security people the bad guys? What about the parents who make the decision, knowing full well that if they're caught, they're likely going to lose their children? And the Homeland Secretary, Security Secretary went on to say, this happens in America every day. There are social service agencies in every state of the United States of America who go into homes and they find deplorable living conditions and they pull the kids out. It just happened in Fairfield. There are parents who are in jail and in big trouble for allegedly doing some horrible things to their children. And they're citizens of the United States. Brian from Orangevale joins us on the phone right now here at Weekend Live. Hi, Brian. How are you in this Saturday evening? Hi, Sam. Having a great time. Uh, I did not get an invitation to London, so I stayed stateside. And did you watch it? No. <laughs> I don't know those people. Good luck to them, but I don't know them. Okay. Um, my grandfather had a store that was burglarized. It was broken into. And fortunately, the silent alarm got the uh, sheriff's department there quickly. The culprit was arrested for breaking and entering and burglary. He had his 12-year-old daughter in the pickup truck waiting for him. You're kidding me. So she was, of course, taken to, I guess it's Children's Receiving Home or something or another. So here's a guy trying to improve his life by burglarizing my grandfather's store, breaking and entering. Right. And he had a minor child with him during the commission of his burglary. Unfortunately, that family was temporarily separated. Right. How is that any different from somebody burglarizing our border, looking for a better life, and having their family with them? I don't understand the difference. Well, um, look, th there's a couple things I want to get into, but I'm coming up against a hard break, okay. Brian. Do you have time to hang on? Can you hang on for the, the break? I'm here till 7. Okay, so just hang on. We're going to get back to you right after the break because there's more to dive into here. Uh, so we'll get back to Brian. More on this story and, and more on the latest developments from the past week right here on uh, Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. This is KFBK, and the phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. Much more on the other side. We are here till 7. We're back in a moment. Stay connected. News and analysis. KFBK Weekend Live. News Radio KFBK. 6.35 on a Saturday evening. Thanks for joining us here on Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. The phone number here, 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. And back to the phones we go. Brian from Orangevale has been good enough to hang on the line. And I'll just get you caught up to speed real quickly, Brian. I'll remind people, your grandfather's place was broken into. The guy who was uh, accused of breaking into it had his, how old was his daughter? She was either 
11 or 12 waiting out in the pickup truck while he broke into the back of the store and was burglarizing it during the middle of the night. And did they separate the family, or what did they do as a result of this? Well, he, you know, like I said, because of the sidle alarm, the sheriff's department came and caught him in the act and saw her sitting out there in the pickup truck. And so um, uh, she got taken. I think it was that children's receiving home. It wasn't juvenile right, hall, if right. I remember. But they, but, se- but they separate the family. They had to separate the, the adult committing the felony mm-hmm. of burglary and breaking and entering right. uh, from the minor child who was with him. And at, uh, and at that hearing on, on Capitol Hill... The Secretary of Homeland Security's point that she was trying to make to Senator Kamala Harris was, look, we do this all the time in America when someone is accused of a crime or is doing something horrible to their children. We separate families all the time. So so the argument would be from the left would be we shouldn't separate anybody uh, because it's cruel to and discompassionate to break families up. But anybody committing a crime runs the risk. Does that mean we should never send anybody to jail because it might separate them from their family? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, the, the logic is lost on me because I don't see it. And, and it seems to me that Senator Harris was trying to go down this path that for some reason an agency of the United States federal government is, is evil for uh, enforcing our laws. I mean, we're a country of laws at the end of the day. I mean, if Senator Harris doesn't like the law, she's got to change the law. Well, and again, I think that's part of the original mindset. You know, what is what is your viewpoint on things? What is it you're trying to, what agenda are you trying to put forward? And is there any distinction made between, quote, legal and undocumented or illegal entry? Well, right, but that's but look, that's for the Homeland Security folks to determine. I mean, that's their job, and, and they are the ones who can make that call when it's happening. Well, under, the, under Kamala Harris's uh, viewpoint, it would seem to expand on that that anybody committing any crime, if they have a child with them, right. then you should just say, oh, hands off, they get a free pass because we don't want to separate Okay, them. see, th- th- exactly. That, I mean, it, carrying it to its illogical conclusion, it, isn't that what that means? Brian, you could not have hit the, 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 the nail on the head any better than what you just said. Her argument lacked logic. I mean, well, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was an argument of emotion. That's I mean, why it's so successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it appeals to so many people. But I mean, it, it, I, 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 it, it, it mystifies me as to why, as a senator of the United States, you would sit in a committee hearing and think, okay, this is the argument I'm going to give. I'm going to give an emotion-based argument and think that I'm going to win. But isn't she a trained lawyer? Yes. Isn't that part of her? I, I, right. Right. No, so there's, I, a, there's a disconnect there, Sam. I'm, I'm trying to comprehend. Look, that's the that's why I played the that's why I played the audio clips. I came across them this week, and I and I thought to myself, and that's what we try to do on this show, quite frankly, Brian. Every once in a while, we're going to find something that slips through the cracks, and I had not seen that. And the moment I saw, it, I said, "Wait a second, here, she is off the rails here." Yeah. So, yeah, but 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 she's got a very persuasive approach to it. Yes. And so that that makes it so appealing because it's got uh, they used to call it sugar and spice and. Well, on top or something. I don't very, know. It's very palatable, but there's no thought involved. With right, it. right. It lacks that. So, so what? What is the other side? What? What is the course? You're a communication specialist. How do we present the message that that's a wrong approach? How do well, we- I look, Brian. I think that what what you've just done in, in this phone call has 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 done that. I mean, we we've we, we've been able to logically point out that there that, that this argument that she was making with the Homeland Security Secretary lacked logic. It was a purely emotion based argument. And it doesn't work. It won't work. You'll so you'll never you'll never win Goodyear, a debate that way. Do we hire the Goodyear blip for messaging? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm, yeah. I'm at a loss, Sam. I really. I mean, you know, I, I've been following you. You know, bringing uh, uh, facts to us for many years in this valley, and I just, I'm, I'm just amazed at how is it that we're not able to. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to get that message out. So, Well, I, Brian, I, you're not the only one who um, feels that frustration. And when I come across messages that I know are clearly distorted, and, and we pointed out a couple of them today, I mean, this whole thing with uh, calling MS-13 gang members uh, animals and, and, and that being totally, totally taken out of context. I mean, that's just completely irresponsible. And, and we need to call people on the carpet when they do things like that. Look, that doesn't, that doesn't do us any good. That's not informing the public. So you know your training and experience, it makes you dispassionate and, and just straight, straight to the point on things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a slightly emotional civilian who doesn't have, have the professional <laughs> training to keep unbiased, you know, but I, I appreciate what you're, you're bringing to the forum here. So. Thanks, Brian. I really appreciate your call. You made some great points. That was Brian from Orangevale calling in. Paul from Yuba City just uh, got on the line, and we're glad that you're joining us here on Weekend Live. It's 640. How are you tonight, Paul? I'm fine, Sam. Nice to hear you. Thank you very much. A pleasure to speak with you. What's on your mind? Well, I have two points to make. Uh, I don't disagree with President Trump for using the term animal. I think it's appropriate in this case. That's the first point I want to make. Okay. And the second one is about immigration. Now, we took over this country by illegally... Uh, destroying the Indians and confiscating their land. Mm -hmm. And I I see these people coming over the border just wanting jobs and a new home for their families. And I don't think we should be too rough on them because we look at our own history and realize we've done some things. Well, uh, Paul, look, I mean, when when this country was founded, uh, that obviously was a bloody, ugly war that took place. There's no question about it. Um, lands and, and countries have been conquered throughout centuries, um, through war and through violence. And, uh, it's not been a preference, I would say for any of us, but it is the way that power is shifted in that the people who came to our country were oppressed in Great Britain and came here for a reason. They wanted to set up their own country and their own government. So there was a reason why they came, and they were in some senses victims of an oppressive government. Couldn't the same with the countries in South America and Mexico being oppressed by their government regimes. Right, right. And if the people of those particular countries decide to revolt... They can go ahead and do so, or they, you know, they have the option of doing that. Now, in terms of what happened in this country with uh, a bloody war with Native Americans, yes, that did take place. And that throughout centuries has taken place uh, between a a variety of civilizations and societies where there have been hard-fought battles and bloody battles and many, many deaths and injuries uh, because one people wanted to conquer a piece of land. That's not unusual. I don't really see the discrepancy there. Um... I believe that uh, we should not build a wall, and we should, you know, be more uh, delicate about the situation. Because who's going to take the jobs that nobody wants, but them? And also, um, I just think we're taking a too hardline approach to it. Well, look, Paul. I mean, I understand what you're saying to a certain degree. But the fact of the matter is, is that the United States of America 
is a country of laws, which was set up by our Constitution and our forefathers. And in, in those laws, uh, it is illegal to come over into the United States of America, whether you come over the border from Mexico or they come over the border of, of Canada or you come here from another country. It does not matter. You, you must come here and play by the rules, and, 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 and you must be legal. And if you're not, you're not. And there has to be some form of security set up in any country. There must be boundaries. And if there aren't, you could look at the implosion of a culture. You've got to see who's breaking the laws, though, if it's a criminal or... Well, that's true, too. insanely violent. Right. That should be kept out. And if you have, if you have a violent criminal who's here illegally, then I'm, I'm not sure what benefit that is to anyone in this country. No. I agree, but people just looking for jobs, if they come over illegally and they're desperate for food and money, I think they should be given a chance to establish citizenship when they're here. And Paul, there are many, many, many cases, hundreds upon hundreds of cases where people have done that and they have applied for citizenship and they've done it rightfully and legally and they've played by the rules. And no one has a problem with that. Okay, Sam. Paul, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Paul calling in from Yuba City. Uh, time now is 6.45. We have to take a, a quick break. Uh, we're going to be back here in just a moment with our final segment here on Weekend Live. The phone number is 916-921-1530, 1-800-834-1530. I'm Sam Shane. We'll be right back. KFBK Weekend Live. News and analysis. On News Radio KFBK. Spike Lee. Did not get the memo from Willie Brown. 6.50 is the time. This is Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. Thanks for joining us. 916-921-1530. 1-800-834-1530. So we mentioned to you how Willie Brown has said that he believes that Democrats need to stop bashing tr- President Trump if they hope to do well in the upcoming midterms. Spike Lee, today it was announced his uh, film called Black Klansman, it's the story of an African-American police officer who infiltrated the Klan in the 1970s. It won a pretty big award at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, but this week, Spike Lee, at the Cannes Movie Festival, held a news conference, and he absolutely unleashed. And I, we need to warn you, it, this tirade, this rant, is filled with profanity. And he unleashed against President Trump. We have a guy in the White House, I'm not going to say his name, it was a defining moment. It was not just for Americans, for the world. And that mother was given a chance to say we are about love and not hate. And that mother did not denounce the mother clan, the alt right, and those Nazi mother. There's a lot of anger there, and he launched, and he's using labels like alt right and Nazis, and I mean he he doesn't offer any evidence. I mean he's just talking generically about a group of people. He then goes on to say that the United States of America was built upon genocide and slavery. 
the so-called mother Creole democracy, that's some bullshit. United States of America was built upon the genocide of native people and slavery. That is the fabric of the United States of America. As my Brooklyn brother Jay-Z would say, facts. Facts. The facts that Spike Lee did not include, uh, the American Revolution, total service members, more than 200,000. The revolution was from 1775 to 1783. About eight years. Number of battle deaths, 4,400. The number of non-mortal woundings, 6,000. Casualty list right there is more than 10,000. Now, we're not even getting into the men and women who died in World War I or World War II. The men and women who go to work every day in this country to pay their bills. Spike Lee said the last thing we just played, the United States of America was built on the genocide of native people and slavery. That is the fabric of the United States of America. Is it? Is it really the fabric of the United States of America? There are people who go to work every day to teach our children in our schools. There are people who every single day volunteer their time to help the elderly and those in need. Those are people who make up the fabric of the United States of America. The fabric of the United States of America is not one-dimensional. Is not a two-part issue. There are layers and layers that go into this. And it's far too simplistic to start throwing around racist terms and saying that the United States of America was built on genocide, and that's the fabric of what we are. Because it's not. And it's this type of divisive rhetoric that we hear far too frequently in our dialogue in this country. And it's not doing us any good. I, un- I mean, I understand Spike Lee is upset. And I get that there's racial divide. That is very, very abundantly clear. But we're not going to solve it with that kind of language and that kind of rhetoric. The way we're going to solve it was with the pastor from the Episcopal Church at the wedding today for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who talked about love and how powerful love is. If we can turn the ship in that direction and get away from the divisive rhetoric, I mean, I think it's, we're all going to be better off for it. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I want to bring this up because this happened this week too, and it was kind of interesting. And, and this was another story that, that flew under the radar. Arnold Schwarzenegger tweeted a jab at the Environmental Protection Agency administrator. That, of course, is the EPA, and the administrator is Scott Pruitt. This was on Wednesday. There were reports that surfaced that the EPA actually intervened. They stepped in 
to stop the publication of a federal study that would have set stricter levels for toxic chemicals in drinking water. Essentially, these new regulations would elevate fluorinated chemicals in drinking water. They put more fluoride in it. Do we need more fluoride? I mean, is our drinking water okay? I'm, I've been drinking it quite a bit, and it seems to be okay. Anyway, so here is the uh, tweet from Arnold Schwarzenegger this week. I'm a simple guy, so I have a simple remedy when people like Pruitt ignore or hide pollution. I don't know if he's ignoring or hiding pollution. I think he's talking about the levels of fluoride in, in drinking water, but nonetheless. If you don't have a problem with Americans drinking contaminated drinking water, drink it yourself until you tap out or resign. Arnold Schwarzenegger, getting in on the Twitter fest. Not to be outdone by President Trump, I guess. So that wraps it up for us tonight. We've been here for a couple of hours, and we thank you for joining us here on Weekend Live. I'm Sam Shane. We're back here Next Saturday from 5 to 7, we hope you join us. Tell your friends all about it. And in the meantime, we'll talk with you soon.